everyone. You're listening to Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is a show about life's inflection points, hosted by me, Asha Saluja. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, or how we tap into our intuitions. And we'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate? Or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I have a guest tell me about all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We start at birth, fast forward to their first big decision, and map out the road their life has taken as a series of these inflection points or junctions. With that, I will introduce today's very special guest, someone who's been um, helping out RFBI guests, Radio Free Brooklyn, in a in a, a consultative capacity and who I've had the chance to meet with over the past week and really enjoyed. Uh, Renat Scherzer is the founder of Of Course Global, a design and strategy studio helping businesses with social good and sustainability initiatives out of Brooklyn. Renat, say hi. Hi. Uh, welcome to the show. So, like I warned you, the first question on this show is, tell me about the circumstances into which you were born. Yeah, that's a super interesting question. So, I was born in 1979 in the south of um, Israel, um, I don't know if it's the middle south, um, in Beersheba, which is uh, in the desert part of the country. Um, and when I was born, I, I was thinking of that question that you asked me, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, but then I thought of it that the country's age when I was born was 31. So I'm now so much older than what my country was when I was born, and that kind of uh, me oh, off. that's super interesting. <laughs> Let me think about that for a second. Israel was not yet the age you are now mm -hmm. when you were born. Yeah, so um, Israel was um, declared as a country at, on at 1948. Um, yeah, so it was 31 years old. And that's fascinating. Uh, so you're just as seasoned now as the country that brought you into an existence. Yeah, a bit even more, yeah. Um, so th the reason that I thought of, of that, the reason that I thought of that when um, you asked under what circumstances I was born into, it was um, because 1979 was the year that Israel and Egypt um, yeah, signed a peace uh declaration between each other and my parents always said that when I was just born um, there was uh, a parade like a peace parade um, where Mubarak came from Egypt and walked through the streets of uh, Beersheba where I was born and it was just like this really uh, optimistic feeling of peace and of a new beginning and wow the same the same day that you were born, there was a parade. Yeah, not, I don't think it was the same Maybe day. Maybe an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, but it was just when I was really little. Um, yeah, my parents would uh, took me to this peace parade that took place in the city uh, wow. we lived in. And so I was 
Yeah, I, w- I was born into a very young country in the making. Um, just at a very optimistic state, um, point in time when there was peace between Egypt and Israel after many years of, uh, of wars. Um, that's fascinating. That's such an interesting, yeah, it feels like both of those things combined, uh, could or could not be threads throughout your whole life. Like the story of Mm -hmm. what was happening around you the day you were born or the year you were born. And I'm curious, we'll, we'll think about those as we progress through your story. So the next question is what's the first big decision that you remember making on your own? Hmm. Wow. Um, so I have a few, but they're really recent. So I'm just trying to go back um, to my childhood. Maybe. You don't have to. Yeah. I think, you know, ch- can children really make decisions? Some yeah. can. Hard to say. Yeah. I think often the, the, the biggest, the first big decision people talk about here is adult, you know, when they're 18, like yeah. what they want to do when they grow up. Yeah. One I thing mean, I have a question about actually mm-hmm. is you're, you, there's mandatory military service mm-hmm. in Israel, yes. right? Yeah. So that's something you was in your life when you were 18? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 18, I, um, I mean, yeah, I think there was a big, maybe not, uh, a decision I made, but something that happened that was kind of a sliding doors for me. So I was, um, on a track to be a logistic officer. Mm. Um, and like as your military service yeah that was my military service Um, so you go to you know the the first boot camp training and there they you get told where you're going to be this this or that and then I got offered to go to kind of a direct path to be an officer in the logistics force Um, and I decided to go for it and uh, about I don't know, four months into this course, I think it was an eight or nine months course, I decided it was a weekend and I decided to go skiing with my friends up north. Um, and there's only one mountain where there's snow in Israel. But, uh, it's on the border with Lebanon. Um, and so we went skiing and I injured myself really, really roughly that day. Wow. <laughs> and so both my knees got injured and I couldn't walk for over a month. Um, oh my gosh, that's a serious <laughs> injury. That's crazy. So I, uh, yeah, so I actually had to step out of that course. So you couldn't do the same job anymore. I, yeah, so I had to, I was actually at home for three months uh, recovering from this injury. Wow. And so when I went back, I actually went back to the same course, but not with the cohort that I was with and not with the group of girls that I started off with. And it's... Uh, yeah, I think it was a really feeling of being displaced. Like after four months living with the same girls and going through really intense experiences with them, mm-hmm. being thrown back and at home for three months and then going back into a new cohort with a group of girls who are already very much bonded between themselves. And so yeah. I think, you know, I when I was thinking about your show, about the junctions of what if, and, you know, that was one of the things that I was always like, what if? What would have happened if... Well, let's jump into it. What if? Like, what (laughs) what do you think happened because of that? Like, what 
what's the end of this story? Like, where did that lead you, I guess? And what might have happened if you hadn't? In a very immediate way. So do Mm -hmm. you think maybe you would have been more interested in the job? You would have stayed at it longer? Like, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that I, my whole military service was really missing those girls and missing that feeling of belonging that I had Mm -hmm. in the first cohort and that I really longed for in the second one. Um, Yeah, and so I think that's something that could really like was with me for a long time that that feeling of being displaced that feeling of yeah not completely belonging that you know a twist of fate brought me to another um yeah and i think yeah the my military service i don't remember it as such a like a big positive period of my life like i remember it being really rough um and so I always think, like, what would have happened? If- wow. Yeah. I think I was asking. So it's funny because I, I wanted to know, like, well, what exactly happened? Like, what did you stay at the job less long? Like, I was asking for the tangible results. Mm-hmm. But as you're describing it, it sounds like the results were more emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I can really relate to that. Like, uh, having an early adulthood sort of, not trauma but like just an emotional uh alienation Mm -hmm. that you never really quite solve like it unless you really think about it and get yourself to a better place it's kind of just sticks with you and you can feel alienated for as long as you let it yeah yeah i mean i think with the you know with time that goes by and with us growing up we understand that you know this is a natural feeling everybody feels alienated at some point or Mm -hmm. another in their life wow and this is just, it's something that I had to to go through and experience. Um, but yeah, that was... I um, can incredibly relate to the <laughs> same the same two sentiments. It's like, oh, I'm processing that period of my life. And then you're like, wait, that period of life is hard for everyone. It's mm-hmm. like, it's just rough to be a young adult. But yeah. uh, your, your specific one had an extra <laughs> dose of sadness to it. Well, so... Once you, so your service in the military, is it a fixed amount of time or like in the American military, you can kind of stay as long as you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in Israel, usually um, girls go for, they ha- the mandatory parties two years and then men, it's three years. Um, but because I was an officer, so you have to sign up for a bit longer. I was two and a half years Okay. in the army. Um, yeah. Would you have stayed longer if um, if I wasn't injured? No, I, I don't think so. I think, yeah. Normal amount of time. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have um, continued my... Uh, but I, I think I it would have been... Well, we don't know. We don't know what, right. what if. But, um, but I know that it was, it was, like, first of all, the injury was very painful and then... Um, so what, when that ended, what do young people in Israel often think to do next? And what did you mm, do next? Yeah, we always go, I mean, not, not everybody, but most, the majority go traveling around the world. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I actually came to New York. Mm-hmm. 
to live here. I was living here for about half a year. Then I went to South America and Central America to travel there for another half a year. Wow. Yeah. Why did you pick here and why did you pick Central and South America? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so, I yeah, it was super random. Um, so I was living in Tel Aviv at that time and then I met up with a friend and she said that she's going to New York to visit a bunch of other friends that are living there and she's going for two weeks and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with you and I'll... I'll just see what happens. Like, I don't need to go back. Um, I just finished the army. And yeah, so I went with her. Uh, I think it's always about a man. <laughs> so I met with, I, I went with her and then I fell in love with this guy and I just stayed here for half a year. Um, and he also went traveling to South America and was talking so highly of how much fun he, fun he had there. So oh. I was like, okay, let's just go to yeah, South so America. So you went together? No, no, no. He was but, he went traveling there um, before before that. Yeah. So you went alone. You're like, oh, you like doing this? <laughs> I'm gonna go do it too. <laughs> See you later. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the rational ways we make decisions. You're yeah. well. No, it's like that's actually quite rational. It's like you're great. I'm not gonna <laughs> stick around and wait around with you. I'm gonna go do what you say is great. That's a great way to yeah. decide. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So that's how. I mean. Usually it's either South America or the Far East. That's where um, we, you know, we Israelis, we go travel after the army. So it was either like, you know, India and Thailand and right, right. Uh, Vietnam or South America. And I was like, okay, he just said he was so great. So I'll just go, yeah, go explore. Do you think that that travel was formative in any way? I obviously you're here in New York, so coming here was formative in some <laughs> yeah. way, but what about South America? What did you take away? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting, but um, I think the, the the most formulative part was New York. Um, I mean, I went back to Israel and I don't think there was one day in my life that I didn't miss New York after that. Um, wow. And I remember as a little, you know, I was 20 years old and I came here and just New York was this like, the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I remember walking around NYU and uh, Washington Square Park and looking at all the students and just wishing that I was one of them. And I would just like wow. sit in their cafes and look at them with their notebooks. And I was like, I wish one day, you know, I'll, I would be able to study here. You can't see because it's the radio, but Renat is like smiling like <laughs> giddy right now. Like I've never seen someone gush about New York in this way. That's so funny. And then it's really interesting because I had a moment a few um, weeks ago. Where I was meeting. So in, it's part of what we do. And of course, we also teach in universities. So I had the pleasure to, um, you know, teach in Cornell and um, Cooper Union and Harvard and so forth. And then a few weeks ago, um, I was in NYU and I was just thinking how, how amazing it is that, um, that you know, like, yeah. I don't know. A decade and a half ago, I was here, like, so longing to study here. And now I'm teaching Shame. in these universities. That's so. a gorgeous full circle moment. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that sounds like 
something that pulled you to make a certain decision later in your mm. life, but we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're done with your travels, what crossroads are you at then? What Are there a couple oh, different options of what to do next oh, in front of you? This is crazy. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so I, you know, usually you have to uh, sign up for university every, quite a, a while in advance, and I really didn't know what I want to study. I was like, mm. I, I, I really don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and um, there's just so many things that interest me, but nothing interests me enough to kind of really commit to it, and um. And I remember conversations with my mom and she would always be like, Renat, come on, you're just you're such a kite. You're always in the air. When are you gonna kite. ground? Yeah. <laughs> when are you gonna ground yourself and just like know what you want to do with your life and just like sign up for something? And I was like, I am my mom, I'm sorry, but I don't know. I don't know what I wanna do. Um and I said, I think I wanna be a designer and she's like, No, 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 Renat you know designers they have to be really talented you know oh uh, no an artistic you're really good at math you should go be an engineer was that true that what that you were really good at math i was yeah that, i was really good at math but, but were you but, also really good at designing I, 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 no i never gave it a go got it um so yeah so i came back to israel and three days before school started i went in and signed up for uh, engineering <laughs> all right yeah so always do what your mom tells you um is that do you do you stand by that because no, no, you no, didn't no, want to do that no, you didn't no, want to do kidding. that job <laughs> um yeah i'm kidding but i i i do appreciate that at some you know at some level because i think that you know studying engineering gave me so much um in the way of how to think about problem solving and how to to learn how to learn. And also I studied biotechnology engineering, which is super fascinating and is actually coming full circle into what I do now because it's kind of learning from the intelligence of nature and the intelligence of our body of how to create smarter systems outside of the body. And so, Wow, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> and so fast forward, you know... Um, I don't know, 15 years later, um, you know, now everybody's talking about biomimicry and how to learn to design systems based on nature's um, wisdom. And for me, it's, yeah, what we're doing, of course, is so related to that, is so, you know, to have so much respect for our environment and for nature and for all these, um, yeah, treasures of knowledge and then how to create smarter and healthier uh, social systems based on that. So many things. First <laughs> of all, I I guess I've heard ideas like this, but I've never heard it articulated that way, biomimicry. <laughs> uh, so this is a whole new world you're opening up to me. Yeah. Second, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible in general that you have so much respect for the way you learned to think in that period of your life, mm-hmm. even if you weren't doing what you loved, quote unquote, or doing what you uh, really yeah. wanted to be doing at that time in your life. I and then, know, I think, I, yeah, that, thank you for giving me that credit, but I think it's those things that you can really connect the dots in hindsight. Yeah. I think when I was in university, I was probably having a few tantrums. um, This is exactly why I want to do this show though, right? (laughs) Like 
I, I obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah. uh, we can't see in the moment what dots we would connect later. But mm-hmm. like, c- can't you see how you saying that would be helpful to someone who is mm-hmm. an engineer and like mm-hmm. maybe wants to be doing something else? Like, mm-hmm. I think other people's hindsight is amazing. <sighs> I never thought of that. that yeah. like my hindsight can be someone else's like the actual, the actual knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Great, 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 great <laughs> stuff. So this this uh, biomimicry, this sort of like respect for uh, the way systems occur in nature mm-hmm. is taking root in your brain then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the just, way you learn uh, even, to learn and yeah, I mean, anything else? Yeah, and just even having that knowledge about, you know, about the body and about, you know, biochemical um metabolic systems and about um you know physics and i love math i've always really really loved math yeah Um, so did you work in that field or did you only study it yeah never so i graduated um from university and i think i'm one of the own like one of the weirdest people in the world where i was like okay i have a engineering degree but i'll just go bartend for a year because i Still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Your mom must have hated that. Oh my gosh. I think she still, she hates up until this moment, every decision I make. But then I think for her in hindsight, she's like, okay, okay. I just, I have to flow with her craziness. Otherwise. Yeah. Okay. I have so many questions. Wow. <laughs> I, I want to zoom in like to the moment. If you can get your brain back there of mm-hmm. you deciding like, I'm going to bartend instead mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. try yeah. for another job. Like, did you really genuinely feel that that was the best thing to do because you <laughs> couldn't decide what else to do? Or were you kind of just like, I don't know, I want to bartend. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was like a mixture of both. Like, I could not see myself going to an office and commit to something that I'm not even, that I, yeah, that I don't know if I love. And I think for me, um, just structures are something that's very, very hard, like, uh yeah, just being in an office, I knew that it would be hard for me just, you know, going in day in and day out to the same job. Uh, and I knew that it's something that I would have to do. <laughs> but I was think I was like postponing it. And also I just moved in from Beersheba to Tel Aviv and it was like the big city. And I'm like, okay, I just want to really enjoy my time and uh, get to know the city. And I'll figure out what I want to do like at some point. I'm getting from your story something that's, come up to me before about people who moved here from Israel about I think there's a su- somewhat slightly decreased sense of urgency around time mm. and it might be because there's a mandatory mm. uh, military you know it's like hey before you do adulthood <laughs> you're just going to do this other thing first and that maybe I'm just uh. hypothesizing here makes you gives you that kind of confidence about other young adulthood decisions where you're like yeah before i start working i'm just gonna not for a year just like not work (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think it has a lot to do with the military i think it has a lot to do with the fact that you're in a confined very uh rigorous very rigid um you know frame for a few years while you're pretty young mm-hmm. and then afterwards you know you just want to break out of that and do whatever the you know whatever you want without anyone telling you anything 
Interesting. Um, but I think it's also something about my personality because it is something that is reoccurring in my life. Like, okay, starting some, you know, going in the in the correct path that I should, you know, like going, getting a job, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, no, this is not me. I need to find my path. So I think it's also something um, that is a combination of, yeah, for sure, being Israeli, but also for me being... Just you. Uh, yeah, a very weird person that doesn't really fit into... Where do you um, think that comes from? And do you look around at other people and think, how can you guys do this? Oh my God, every day. Really? When yeah. I hear people, you know, just every day going in and out of the office and then coming back at night and I'm like, wow, I, w- I wish I had that tenacity. I do wish you I wish? Had, or I, are you oh, like, yeah. you guys are idiots? No, 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 no. I don't think they're, no, no, no. For sure not idiots. I, I really appreciate that, that ability. Um, if I wish I was like that, Probably not, because then I, you know, that that's what makes me me. But um, I, I think I, I, I appreciate people who have, um, you know, that. I think for, for me, sometimes I'm. I need to constantly jump on, you know, climb other mountains, and for people who, you know, that I see that they're you know, genuinely happy in what they do, just as it is. I, yeah, I have, I have deep respect for that. Do you, what do you think gave you that nonlinear and like highly individual approach to life? Is it just you or was there someone in your life who showed mm. you that that was an option? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're a product of everything that we consumed and experienced our life so for sure there's so many people and circumstances and experiences that have created that for me but I think a big one is my dad um, he's I think if there's one thing that is very um, similar between the two of us is that ability to dream and you know dream a different reality and dream of a world that we want to live in and um that ability to dream, I think, is a lot from him. Wow, very cool. And I think, you know, not going in the linear path is also something that I took greatly from him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a skill you can either learn or just be born with. And the skill is like, it's like kind of cliche, but just thinking differently, like not <laughs> feeling obligated to do what people tell you. Yeah, you I, can or should. Yeah, I mean, really you say, you, you say I, I don't know if it's a skill. I always, I, I kind of think about it as something that's bigger than me. Um, but mm. also, you know, you're, you know, demonstrating it here in such a, um, you know, a positive way. And I think, in you know, it's not always like that. Like. I I beat myself so many times for not being you know like a normal you know I it, it's not something it's something that comes a lot with also a lot of hardship of not you know going down the I hear that that the path you know I think the reason I'm portraying it positively and I'm sure you've gone through this journey on your own is I feel like any trait we have about ourselves any anything that makes us who we are 
we can view in ourselves positively or mm-hmm. negatively, right? Yeah, we can be sure. like, I hate this about myself or like, this is what makes me me and this is so special. For sure. But the way, the way that other people perceive it is going to mirror what we think ourselves. Yeah. So if you're walking around and your inner monologue is like, oh, like I suck, I can't get it together, mm-hmm. I can't have a grown-up life, I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything normal, and that's how you feel, that's kind of what you're going to say and yeah. kind of what you're going to project. For but sure. if you're walking around being like, I don't know how you guys do any other way, <laughs> like I'm killing it, I'm unique, I'm special, yeah. and that's what's up. That's what people are gonna for sure see. For sure, um, I just I think the reason I'm raising um, I'm raising this point is just maybe because of what you said before of you know whoever listens and you know what influence. I just want to you know portray a, a much more realistic picture that everything that we do you know has such amazingness to it and also such hardships to it and it, they're both coexist you know um that's super true um, and just in that same interest for this hypothetical listener i'll I'll (laughs) say like i think a really special thing about me is my ability to show up to stuff even if i don't feel like it like (laughs) i I don't know i have the opposite of what you're talking about i'm like i'll show up at 9 a.m every day even if i hate it but like that's just who i am i don't know i'll just do it exactly sometimes i hate that about myself i'm like why how did i why am i so obedient that's Mm. boring but mm. then other times I'm like, oh, no, wait, this is a very lucrative skill I have <laughs> showing up to stuff. Yeah. And being persistent. And yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So let's get into your year of bartending. I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> uh, are there any takeaways you want to talk, speak to about that year? Or would you rather just talk about the career you launched into afterwards? Yeah, I think just. In general, I, I learned so much out of that year. I mean, it just seems like, oh, you you know, you're bartending in this cool bar in Tel Aviv. And I think I learned so many skills about what it means to run a business and what it means to um, to create this huge production. It was a really, really, um, like an amazing restaurant in Tel Aviv that works 24-7. And so just learning about all the mechanisms of running a place like that um, was an incredible experience for me. I think I learned, yeah, that also connected a lot of dots later on when I, you know, started an entrepreneurial um, path and build the businesses myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and eventually this came to an end. Mm-hmm. Did your mom's bugging you finally <laughs> win you over? Or how did you stop? <laughs> it was actually such a funny story. Um, I remember that a really good friend of mine started working in this uh, startup company. Um, it was a tech company in the online advertising world. And there was a position open up. And she's like, Renat, um, I'll, let me give you a recommendation, like a, a recommendation about you and just apply. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I remember I was talking to another friend and she was saying, Renat, you've never in your life been in an you know, in a job interview, go see what it is. Like, I can tell you I've been in 48. Like, the fact that you're going to go to a job interview doesn't mean you're going to start working tomorrow. So I was like, okay, okay, that's a good point. Like, let's just see what, a job, well, yeah. <laughs> what a job interview is. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, let's just like switch in my brain. I'm not now giving up this life I have, being a bartender. I'm just going to see what 
going into an interview looks like. So I went into the interview, and at the end of it, they handed me offer the offer, <laughs> the offer wow. letter. Wow. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not this what I planned. That wasn't supposed to happen. That's so funny. I, I just planned to like just see what a, an interview is. Um, so yeah. So the, so you said yes. So that happened. And then I told them I need a few days to think oh. about it. And then I was like, okay, I have this thing in my life when something flows really, you know, flawlessly and seamlessly. I'm like, okay, let's do it. That's, right. That's the way it should be. It shouldn't be me looking for a job for ages and ages. It should be just something that... They offer Come, you on the spot. Comes to me and I'm like, okay, let's give it a go. Yeah. So I did. Um, and I was there for four years. Crazy four years of my life. Um, in many ways. I mean, I learned so much in that company. But also that company during that time was going through a massive change. Um, and we were launching a new product. And I was very... Um, very fortunate to be able to, uh, um, my role was to launch this product around the globe. Um, and so I was traveling for three months around the world, um, wow. training our, the local offices about this product. And this is how I got um, also into human-centered design, which is what kind of the core of, of course, global is right now. Um, so really, how do you design products that are, that meet the human need um, and that are really something that, that solves a deep human problem rather than just creating another thing for the sake of creating another thing. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was really fortunate to be able to be part of something so big for this company. Um, and this product ended up being a really huge success. Um, and the company went public at the end of this um, launch and then later on was acquired for, it was, yeah, it was a big exit for, for Israel. Um, wow. They were bought out for a lot of money. Uh, I think over While now. you were still working there? So I, um, actually after four years there and after I did this huge launch, I, I had a big burnout. Yeah. Uh, I was working way too much. Um, and literally my body just couldn't, keep on going um so besides the fact that going to the office every day is not my thing uh i think just my body was just like renat this is enough <laughs> and so i quit my job and i went traveling for almost a year sometimes the body makes our decisions yes, for us exactly wow love that <laughs> new new lens yeah um so you decided to travel because your body told you to my body was just like i'm not doing We're this not, anymore we can't okay. we can't do this <laughs> and your year of traveling what what was that like yeah um it was a lot it was a lot of self-reflection and a lot of you know trying to heal the body and um i went to india for half a year and i was doing yoga in these different ashrams for for a lot of a long time um and yeah it was filled with a lot of things it was filled with you know embarking on a new journey and doing something that is completely yeah at that time at least it, in 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 the community that i was living in it was kind of unheard of to live you know such a well-paying job and having a good um 
yeah, just a really good job doing well at what I'm doing and then quit it and going traveling. It was something that was very bizarre to... Did you face, uh, face uh, like backlash from people in your life and do it anyway? Or was everyone kind of supportive? I think at that point, because I was so burnt out... It was just like, that was my ticket. I used that ticket. I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, you know. Um, my body said no. So. My body said no. But I do remember one conversation I had with a friend of mine that we worked in the same company and he was like, you're not, you know, there's so little people in this company that the CEO actually knows and appreciates like personally and, and you can't just like give that up and go. And I remember hearing him talk and saying, nothing you just said made any sense to me. This is why I need to go. Like, yeah. I do not want to live in that in that reality where that, that's why I... The CEO's approval yeah, is yeah. like the b- thing you're most no, leaving behind. No. So wow. I remember that was a very, um, yeah, that was a pivotal moment for me when he said it and it was so profound, like, you know, how he he thought about, like, you know, being having the CEO on your side or, or having him even know you by name or whatever. And for me, that was exactly the reason. Yeah, you're like, just you're like, <laughs> clearly our value, where you get value is just yeah. the opposite I'm of I'm just me. like, no, I, I don't want to stay in a place because that's what I've reached, you know? Right. I want to, yeah. It's so funny you say like, it was, it's unusual and it's, um, you know, risky to mm-hmm. leave behind such a good job. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's something people don't do. And then the backlash, like, yeah, there are a few people who are really enmeshed in your current world who can't understand leaving it. Mm -hmm. But I think that for the most part, and I'm sure you can relate to this as someone who's often making decisions that other people wouldn't, but often when we're like, I'm going to do this thing that no one, no one in their right mind would do. And you tell people, they're like, oh, yeah, okay. See, yeah. This seems fine. Good for you. <laughs> like, I'm sure, I'm sure you did experience more yeah. backlash than you just described. But yeah. like, probably once you told people why you wanted to, they were like, yeah, I uh, get that. That's understandable. Go yeah. for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sh- yeah. I think it was, um, yeah, for sure. I got a lot of support. Um, life is weird and people do all kinds of weird things and people can wrap their heads around it (laughs) yeah that's true but it's yeah yeah that's very true so did you come back from that trip did you plan to come back first of all or were you like maybe i'll never actually i bought a one-way ticket okay (laughs) (laughs) and i actually bought it i remember i was like i'm quitting my job i'm not gonna have an income now and i bought the ticket with um, the miles that I earned from all the travels I did in my job. So I was like, this is such a full circle. This wow. is so good. Um, and so I bought a one-way ticket and then, yeah, I just decided I don't want to know where I'm going next. I'll just, I'll figure it out as I go along. Um, but then eventually my sister got married. Um, and so I came back for the wedding. Yeah. Uh, that was the big uh, trigger to come back. Got it. Yeah. Did you come back healed? Did your body feel better? Mm. <laughs> I think for that we'll need at least two more hours. I actually okay. got really injured <laughs> on that trip. Wow, um, more injuries. More, yeah, I have so many injuries in my life. So I was um, in quite a serious um, 
a bicycle accident in Amsterdam. Wow. And uh, a bike bike or a motor? No, like a, just a bicycle. Wow. Um, not motor. Um, yeah. And I was hospitalized for a long time. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. So yeah, but that's a whole other story. Sounds like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, did anything, did that, you were kind of in a travel mode and just seeing where life took yeah. you at that point. So unlike your previous injury, it didn't punctuate mm. anything that you planned to do because mm-hmm. you didn't have any plans. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what happened when you came back? What was life like? Yeah, that was really interesting. So I went back to um, the world of online advertising and the startup scene in Israel for another year. Um, and then I remember that one time I was um, sent to New York for work um, and then I came back here and something about the creative vibe of this city, I was thinking to myself, okay, I can't, I can't do online advertising anymore. I don't want to keep on, you know, working towards a world that just gets people to buy more things that they don't need. Yeah. Um, and so how can I take, you know, the, all the knowledge that I have in the digital world, which was pretty vast at that time. And my love for art and design and combine it into something that brings goodness to the world um, and helps us, you know, create from a different sense of consciousness or purpose. Um, And so after uh, a couple more years in Israel, I decided that I am going to leave. Um, I was 35 years old at the time. I decided I'm going to closed shop in Israel and moved to New York um, to study design for social innovation in the School of Visual Arts. So that is a crazy decision, right? (laughs) Like, that's, you know what, actually, okay, let me see if I can condense this thought. (laughs) I was just telling you, at the beginning, before we came on the air, you told me about that decision and I was like, that's crazy, like, how do you decide to do something like that? (laughs) But the way you just so succinctly described your motivation, what mm-hmm. you were like, well, I wanted to do good for the world and I had all this knowledge and I needed to figure out exactly how to <laughs> marry those two things. I no longer thought it was crazy anymore. I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like that doesn't seem crazy to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which proves the point I just tried to make of like the world is vast world. and people do yes, all kinds of exactly. things that might sound crazy. No, I, I yeah, I'm a huge believer in that. And I, but I also think that there's, I think in this process, I learned a lot about humility also, because, you know, for years and years, I was beating myself up about what do I want to do when I grow up? And I don't know what I want to do. And, but the thing is, the thing that I wanted to do wasn't born yet, not in me and not in the world. I mean, even this program that I, that I joined, that I found through the, you know, the ether of the internet Mm -hmm. when I was like, okay, I'll just Google (laughs) social good, um, (laughs) um, design, art and technology. I'll see what comes up. And that, that program was like the first thing that came up. What is the program? It's called Design for Social Innovation. Amazing. And wait, where is this? <laughs> in uh, SVA, in the School in of Visual SVA, Arts. SVA, yeah. 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 Um, Which happened to be in your favorite city that you've been missing every day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. So it's like, 
Google wasn't born yet. First of all, <laughs> you couldn't have Googled those things when you started your career. <laughs> Definitely. And that program yeah. would never have existed yet. So yeah. like, but even, so, so it's not even, your fault for not knowing. <laughs> so even with me, maybe I had clues about what I wanted when I told my mom I want to be a designer and she's like, no, be an engineer. And then in the end, <laughs> I became an engineer designer, but, um, but it wasn't so, it wasn't born in me yet. You know, it was just yeah. like little clues. And then also the program that, that I signed up for, it was, we were the second, the third cohort. So it just started two years before. So, you know, even that, you know, I kept beating myself up for so many years of like not finding it. And I think in the process of, you know, trying to understand what it is that I need to do in the world and like learning all the things that are not me. I'm not a person that would go into the office every day. I'm not a person that can work for a vision that I don't fully support. I'm not a person. I'm a person that really loves building the vision from scratch. Uh, and I have such a deep, you know, love for, for, you know, for peace and justice and especially being a woman for, you know, for, you know, helping women step into their power. That's, I think, one of the biggest motivations that I had around social impact. Um, what was I getting at? So all those things, they, they, I, I was beating my, like I didn't, I knew what I didn't want to do, but to know what I wanted to do took so long. And I think the reason for that is because you know, it had to be conceived and to be born within me, but also in the world, like the whole, you know, the, the, this stream of, of, of um, places where we can learn about how to, you know, create innovation in the world of social impact around sustainability is so new. So, yeah, that had to happen in the world first and in yeah, me first totally for me to sense. find it. I mean, it couldn't be found before it was created and it was, you know, co-created between people like me that had that urge in between thought leaders that created that already. So Yeah, and it's like each of those different areas of interest are so specific that they had to take they you needed to accumulate life experience to even exactly. accumulate those interests. Exactly. I think that's a huge point. You know, sometimes when especially when we're young, we want to know already. We want to, you know, be yeah. already. We want to you know, and there's so many parts in my life where I'm or still like that. I want to be already, I want to know already, but, but then the process teaches you that these things, you know, they, they take time, they take life experience, as you said, they take, um, you know, lots of trial and error, um, and lots of trial and error for <laughs> sure. And lots of failure. Yeah. That's, that's such great advice. That's <laughs> exactly, I mean, yeah, that's exactly the kind of insight I want out of this this kind of conversation. <laughs> so when you were deciding to come here and do that and pursue that program, mm -hmm. were you, was there anything else on the table? Were you like, oh, maybe I should do this instead. Maybe I should stay here. Like mm -hmm. once you heard about it, was it like, you know, this is mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So I remember reading about it and reading the program. And I remember that when I was reading the curriculums, I had tears in my eyes because it was like all, wow. all the weird things that I've ever wanted to know about from, I don't know, game design to, um, yeah, just like 
all these crazy innovative things that are happening in you know in New York around social good and and people who are changing the world and just hearing from them and learning from them so I remember reading about it and really having tears in my eyes but then the next thought that I had was okay Rina this is the master in fine arts you have no artistic background whatsoever nor a design one there is zero way in which you can get in like it's not gonna happen um But then, yeah, I think I just had this really big urge of going for it anyway. Um, and I was like, what do I have to lose? You know, I can, it's just like that first interview in that yeah. company, you know, I'll, I'll build a portfolio of the projects that I've built in my life and, and I'll just see what happens. And so I think it was the, again, one of the quick, quickest things ever. I got a reply super quickly after that, that I got in and that I got merit scholarship wow like, what <laughs> and so i'm like okay that's a sign i have to yeah i have to do it um and i remember while you know in that little period of time before i got the answer i was talking to one of my friends and she was like renat you know what do you have to lose i mean you have you have nothing tying you to israel i mean of course there's family and friends but but you know go for it and you know and then I got that answer and I was like, okay I, I think that's it I think that's such a good framework for making decisions like just do what hap if you want it and it happens <laughs> easily you gotta do <laughs> so obviously the program was perfect for you uh, as, yeah oh, more or less it, more or less yeah I mean the people that I met there were incredible yeah the Yeah, but also that the program there was a lot of amazing things about it a lot of things I didn't like so much but I think that's that's you know that's life definitely <laughs> um I guess the last decision I want to cover is the decision to start your own company did, yeah. is that something you did right after you finished this program or did it yeah um so did you try something else first yeah so while I was doing the company actually I had a startup that I founded in Israel with three other guys and so I started this startup and moved to New York and did my master's and then after two years that we ran this startup um, yeah we got into it was the end of the road for that startup um, yeah, for different reasons and so that chapter ended and I was like okay that startup was really good and being an entrepreneur is really You know it's really what I love doing but I really want to amp up the the doing good like I really want to do something that the essence of it is doing good in the world um, and so um, me and one of my closest friends from school were talking one day and we we're like why don't we just open an agency and and do these projects with corporates and teach yeah. them about you know conscious what you creation. were learning about in your program yeah yeah what, I, what we were learning but also everything that I did before was leading up to that mm. a lot of the product design and the human center design was all really big parts of it anyway so we were talking and it was just like such an amazing conversation and we we're like yeah let's do it and um and so yeah me and Hannah uh started this company of course and then um It was growing great and we're both not 
American and we both applied for a visa and then unfortunately she didn't get a visa to stay here and wow. had to move back and that was a huge um yeah like a personal crisis and also a, a setback for the company of course um yeah and then i decided that i want to continue it anyway and go forward with it because i really really believe in the vision and yeah so yeah we just really recently um she's now living in london and doing her own thing which is amazing and i kind of revived the company um and we have a new team and a new website and a new uh kind of packaging of what we do and new voice which is really beautiful but all with the same mission cool yeah well congrats Uh on making that decision and getting it up and running and deciding to stick with it i'm curious about your uh enumerating that you wanted to do something that did good in the world which is like Mm -hmm. a very simple concept but (laughs) like a really understandable one. How far back can you trace that? Like how mm. long have you had that ambition? <laughs> I think ever since I remember myself, like I remember myself really, I think one of the things that are for me doing good is that sense of equality and justice that, you know, the people who whose voice is not heard will be heard. And, um, people who are underprivileged will will get more opportunities. And so I remember even like from like super young age, um, I would always make sure that my sister, because she's the youngest sister and she wasn't, you know, yeah, she, I, I always made sure that she had exactly equal things to me. Like we, oh, we would shiny. always sl- split exactly. Like I would make sure that she has, you know, that it's not because I'm bigger or, whatever yeah. more powerful than you <laughs> more powerful i don't know That's if powerful is the word but big uh, word but yeah i think like this sense of equality is something that is i remember it from super young age yeah and coming from where you come from and being born the year you were born right <laughs> yeah peace and justice yeah. um is that something the desire to do good that grew over time as you weren't doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because I think there was some, you know, critical mass of, of doing things. Yeah, just like being in a company and, and everything that was driving it was, you know, it was great things for the company, but I'm like, but why? Why is this needed? How does this, at the end of the day, makes the quality of life of people's, you know, of people's lives better? And just not having that answer was, yeah, I, I couldn't, that's something that I couldn't, I couldn't live happily with. I can really relate to that. And I think it bothers me less in myself. It just bothers me how vast a majority of us there are <laughs> who are working on things that don't make people's life better. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem as, you know, like when I think about entire companies worth yeah. of smart people solving such smart people problems that don't people. benefit anyone yeah. that's i mean they really benefit they benefit they benefit investors you know, the capital. shareholders yeah yeah, yeah they benefit they benefit CEOs. you know the gdp of the of the country of making the country a wealthier um and i think that that's a whole other few hours that we need to talk about that i see that we're running out of time soon but 
that you know a whole culture a whole society that the success metric is monetary is only monetary um i mean i understand that this is currently the way that we give and receive you know you pay rent you get a house to live in um but that can't be the only driving force i mean they have we completely neglected you know the human driving forces you know the connection the love the 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 how much you get when you give the the feeling of camaraderie the feeling of of unity that is completely irreplaceable by any money in the world not that i'm saying money is important to get by in this in the in the society we created but it's definitely not absolutely it's not. i really wish we'd gotten to this low-key <laughs> anti-capitalist moment in the podcast earlier so much to say on this topic honestly like you're right we could do another hour on this alone <laughs> sounds like we both share this frustration uh but unfortunately it's about time to wrap up mm-hmm. thank you so much for being thank here you. i really loved this interview <laughs> think like we really we really distilled some key points of advice which is <laughs> all i can hope for uh thanks for listening guys you're listening on radio free brooklyn which is a non-profit community radio station supported by listeners If you'd like to support the station or the show, visit the website, www.radiofreebrooklyn.com. Theme song is by Nation of Language. Check them out wherever you get your music. And if you're interested in the show, you want to be a guest, or you just have a question, email me at asha at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Find the show on Facebook. Uh, also, please go find and rate and review and subscribe in The podcast store, if you have an iPhone, which is where you listen to all your normal podcasts, search for Bookswick Junction. We have 30 seconds left. I'm going to play the this like one-minute Prince song that I'm really into today. Bye.